1: Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It's brand new season two.
6: Sometimes people throw out lucky because it helps them justify why they haven't made the move that you've made. You know, there were certain things like all that time that I was dribbling a ball and going out there and doing all that work. And then that led to the NFL. And those things didn't happen by accident. Luck is like if I turned a corner and found a briefcase
7: of a billion dollars, that's lucky. That's lucky. what if I told you there was more to the story behind game-changing events? Get ready for my new podcast, That Moment with Damon John. We'll jump into the personal stories of some of the most influential people on the planet, from business moguls and celebrities to athletes and artists. Akbar, welcome, man. Thank you for thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. I'm glad, man. I'm glad to be just sitting here chopping it up with you yeah we're gonna have fun listen we, i had I had a great time with you on family feud uh by the way i won <laughs> well, we won i guess uh, you go you just <laughs> go go ahead and just throw that out there huh uh, no, no I, I just gotta i just gotta throw it right out there um and uh and um you know um the talk always gives me love, and the last time I was there, we were talking about uh financial intelligence for children and my book and you guys have always given me love. So it is it is truly an honor to always see you. Um I've I've always been a fan of your stuff. Um and, and actually I've always been a fan of you publicly in the sense of um your ability to pivot and, and all those things because I, I'm I'm really not a huge, huge sports fan. So I really didn't know of you at that time. Um but but since then I've been a fan. I so that. uh Oddly enough, you know, when you were on as a competitor on, um, on what was the show? Expedition. Um, Expedition Impossible. No, yeah, that that was actually uh, done by Mark. Yes, Burnett. it was. Did you see Mark on that set at I all? I did. I saw
6: Mark the very first day we flew into uh, the kingdom of Morocco, and it was just kind of like, mm. what is this going to be? Actually, I saw him, well, yeah, I saw him during my the little audition. And then I saw him again the very first day, and he just kind of laid it out almost like a coach. Like, this is what you're going to begin. You're going to be in the, you know, in the desert and all different types of terrains for five weeks. And he's just kind of giving this whole thing. And if you don't think you can make it, you can. I mean, I was like, yo, man, this is, it kind of felt like I was back in training camp. And uh, and that was it. That was the, I think that was the last time. I... No, actually, I saw him one other time. He flew in a helicopter
7: in some remote part of Morocco, and then that was the only time I ever saw him. Interesting so so Markman, obviously uh, amazing, one of the most well-known producers in the world. Um, you know, he's done Apprentice, Contender, Survivor, that show, and of course Shark Tank. A lot of people don't know he started off selling shirts kind of uh in Venice Beach. Uh prior to that, he was special he was special forces or uh in in London uh, in in Europe, and uh they say that Survivor is one of the r- longest running shows. They say that He'll come on set sometimes and, and he doesn't come to our set as much. I mean, we're a contained environment, but he'll, 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 or whatever you call it, jump out of those helicopters on the ropes and slide down. Um, I know a couple of years ago, he was still competing in the Iron Man. Wow. I didn't know
6: that. Lot, I had no idea he had that he, background. That that kind of gives a little bit of uh, you know, background as to why he came in so hot. And I was like, but it made me respect yeah. him more. Like, uh, he wasn't. He didn't seem like a TV guy. He said, "Like yo, this is for real. This is like
7: straight yeah. bread, straight gangster." Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so it's one of those. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go punk that uh, TV executive, and you all all of a sudden find yourself, you know, tapping <laughs> out, saying, "Let me right. go." You know. So anyway, but but the nicest man, uh, very very uh, a man of faith, yep. one of the most, as as you know, and I don't, I, I, you and I've never even talked about this one-kindest individuals you'll ever meet on the planet yeah. I've, I've
6: had a chance to you know talk to him you know multiple times afterwards and you know you know you talk about being a man of faith i didn't know that because you know there's you know in hollywood there's just a diverse belief and you know to even say yeah. that you're a man of faith sometimes can people can look at you in, a, in an awkward way or in a weird way and so mm-hmm. so we were able to share that but i was surprised that even remembered me because there was a bunch of competitors there um we came in fourth place and we we did you know, I didn't win like I wanted to win, Uh, but he was he gave me so much in just that little bit of time that we had to get in that five weeks time and just being a part of that production. I learned a lot, too. I learned a lot about television in that in that regards.
7: I mean, I think that 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 stand <clears throat> as we go into this 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 conversation, it, it, there's a lot of things that stand out about that. You learned a lot. Uh, you you obviously uh, are are very competitive you played uh at the highest level of competition period um you know um but you were smart enough to ask him those questions um but also you were surprised he remembered you there's a reason you're here people remember you i'm not sure why uh you know why probably um the story goes is that, you know, there was this kind of NFL boot camp where, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a broadcasting camp and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, you know, they they brought in, I think, 20 people right. or something like that. Or they applied. How, you took this opportunity. How many people do you know apply to it? Was there a limit of 20 or was there just only 20? No, there was
6: a limit of 20. And so you had to have, make a compelling case. You had to write an essay as to why you wanted to get in. And so I just took that time to write it. I don't know how many guys during their off season wants to write an essay to get into to broadcasting. But you know, the truth is, Damon. Like I, I kind of saw after my third year, I knew things weren't working out the way I thought in my mind. I thought that and believed that I was going to play in the NFL for ten years, and you know, I was mm-hmm. going to be all everything and whatever and. Especially, yeah. too, because my brother played before me and had a tremendous mm-hmm. amount of success. And I just thought, I'm next in line. Well, it didn't work It right. didn't work that way. We're two different beings, two, two different types of athletes. And so I started to really then start to think about, OK, I'm going to keep going as hard as I can because I want to get to that 10 years. But I'm also going to start seeing other opportunities. And when that opportunity came, I made sure, like, I think it was due, you know, whatever day it was due, I had my essay in the next day. Because I want to make sure I got mm. my name to the top of the line because I knew that there might be big name guys who they would go, oh, of course, we would want this big name athlete in our broadcast boot camp. Sure enough, I got the acceptance letter and uh, that was the start of my of my broadcast journey.
7: Well, let, let's let's talk about that moment when you decide to do that, because um, the athletes, uh, many of them that I have spoken to in general, uh, you know, we all we all try to emulate what we see out there. And there's been some really great athletes who have paved the way to get sports and these amazing accomplishments they've had. But they paved their way as being broadcasters or Magic Johnson yeah. and Dr. J investors and various other things like that. And I thought from when I speak to athletes, a lot of them are like. They, that's a natural progression. Yeah, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a sportscaster. I, I, I broadcast. Yeah. I, I hear that yeah. all the time. Um, and maybe they think it's because of their name, and maybe they think that that's a natural progression. But what I mean, how many, how many, how many athletes, how many, how many players are on one, one NFL team? At yeah, any there are fifty-three. Time? There are fifty-three guys on a roster. Um,
6: and, you know, the okay. NFL roster. You multiply that by thirty-two, whatever the math that is. I think there's close to what sixteen hundred mm-hmm. guys in the NFL um, and every given year, there's about 300 plus athletes that come in through the draft system. Um, so that means for all the young rookies that are coming in, somebody's going out. So you have that mm. kind of that cycle that makes the NFL, what the NFL is. It's a young man's game. And so you do know that, you know, very few will get that opportunity to play the 10 years that I was dreaming for average careers, two and a half years. I'm throwing all that numbers, those numbers out because yep. you realize it's a flooded market and everybody wants to get in and try to, to become this broadcaster um, because you, it feels like the natural progression. It is because, look, you've invested over 20 years of your life in playing a sport that you absolutely love. And then to be able to go back out there because you haven't invested much time in doing anything else because this was the mm-hmm. dream. And so you say, OK, I've got this equity uh, in knowledge in sports. Let me take that and talk about it. Not everybody can talk about it. Not everybody can express themselves. Not everybody's made for television, right? There's a a great combination that you have to have. Um, And you've seen this, you know, where guys get kind of trapped, like, I just got to do this, I got to do this. And they think about nothing else, or they haven't invested in the, the work that it takes to actually become a broadcaster. And there's a process. It's not just, I'm here, I've arrived. Because there are a lot of big name guys who we grew up loving in sports that aren't on television, and that, and that's for a reason, and not because they're bad people, but a, it's not for them, or b, it's just not a skill set that they that they have.
7: And, and and so accurate about that because I mean, if you really think about it, let, so let's look at the couple of careers that, and you can elaborate on this that that athletes, uh, uh, and we're not talking about we're talking about purely. Let's just talk the NFL. I think there's a couple of different areas, right? There's I wanna either uh be a coach or a front office, uh broadcaster, various other things. But if you broke down the sixteen hundred uh on average per year, there's athletes, well times ten, that's sixteen thousand people. Now, even if you're a broadcaster, right, it doesn't mean that somebody else from another genre, Stephen A. Smith or somebody oh, else like yeah. that, is not gonna still take your that's job. Right.
6: Yeah, that, that, it's right? competitive. It's it's super competitive. And there are only a certain amount of spots that are open, right? If you look at the landscape of television, you know, you've got your major networks and then they've got people already in those seats. So it's not like, you know, there's a room for a bunch of people. Every year there might be one or two opening and some guys can hold a seat for a very long time and you're sitting there like, man, that person's got to pretty much die off or retire before yeah. I get that opportunity yeah. And by that time, you might already be seven,
7: eight years out the game, you know? So then why you? That's, yeah. that's the question, right? Because when it when it happened and they had that opportunity, was it more like, I'm really going to do this? Or, you know what, let me just throw my hat in, in the ring because this is one of the potential angles or, or, or directions I'm going to go. Why but, you? And why did you do it at that that's moment? That's a great, 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 great question. And uh, I'm going to open up about a
6: lot of the insecurities that I had. So... You know, I told you that I wasn't a big name guy. You Google me, you look it up. My stats were not impressive. I don't fit the category or that 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 model for what a person transitions from from sports into into television because I don't have the accolades that you can constantly refer to. And but in my own mind, you know, everyone, you know, if you're an athlete, you suffer from some level of delusions of grandeur where you think you're bigger than than whatever. And so I did this This program uh, at the Wharton uh, School of Business uh, through the NFL, and it was an executive program, business program, and you know I wanted to explore my option in the business as well. Um, You know, growing up in a Nigerian household, my parents, you know, were constantly talking about being. Both my parents were entrepreneurs, and so I wanted, I was interested in that, and so anyways, I applied to to try to get a job, uh, an interview at ESPN, and I'll never forget Al Mm. Jaffe and Fred Brown. They brought me in, not because I played in the NFL, but because they saw Wharton business program on my, on my, uh, my resume. And they thought, this is odd. Mm. So they brought me in and I'm sitting here thinking like, <laughs> yo, I'm about to be on ESPN. You can't tell me nothing. And so I go in and so they says, so we brought you in. We just wanted to meet with you. just kind of see. i say, yeah, I want to be the next Stuart Scott and, uh, uh, steward excuse me fred brown stopped me right there he goes son we already have a Stuart scott we don't need Mm. another Stuart scott he goes right so what's your plan i told him i want to be on espn talk about football he goes why you why shouldn't we let you on there and he just called me out and i was just like um he goes what experience do you have i'm like um and i was just stuck i mean literally i was fried in this interview i'm like oh my goodness And he brought Al Jaffe in, who's at a big head hot show at uh, ESPN. And they sat me down and just said, look, you need to go out there and get reps. You can't just walk in here thinking because you played in the NFL that somebody's just going to give you an opportunity. We really only brought you in because we saw Wharton and wanted to see what you were about. And they gave me a tour and told me to go. But not in a bad way. It was like, hey, we'll show you around. Showed me the satellite. Showed me all the different studios and walked me out. And as soon as I got back on that plane, I devised a plan. I go, okay, be real with yourself. You didn't have a big name in the league. How can you get in? And so what I did was I went back to my home, my hometown, not my hometown, but the place where I went to school, San Diego. I had a year with the Chargers. I was a standout at San Diego State. And I said, this is where people know me here let me take the time Mm -hmm. to develop locally. I developed locally at the local stations. I did that for free for two years. I knocked on the door at NBC. For free, hold on, for for free. free. I knocked on the door and I went and talked to the general manager at the local NBC. And I said, hey, can I do the post game show for the Chargers and the Aztecs? And I'll do it for free. Hired me on the spot. On the spot.
7: Well, it wasn't a hire.
8: <laughs> yeah. Was yeah, was
6: yeah, yeah, right, right.
7: That, that, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I got you all day. I got you all day. You want to hang out with me for
6: free. <laughs> so I, I did it. I, I did that. And I knew that that was the only way that I was going to jump the line to get an opportunity because I didn't think anyone else would compete with that. And so that's what got right. me in.
7: So, so you know, and, and that's the whole purpose of that moment, right? To freeze and and, and and not to brush over this extremely, extremely powerful things you've said here. And I want to make it very clear because everybody here listening, whoever you are, they want to pivot. I know actors want to be athletes, athletes want to be actors, singers want to be dancers and dancers want to be singers. I mean, this is just it's a natural progression, especially if you are an A-type personality. You are always looking for a challenge. However, very important. People don't usually do exactly what you do, which is two things. Number one, hack yourself. Ask yourself the tough question. Why the hell am I gonna be in this room? Because they ask you something. We we are what do you have for us? We already have a what's the yeah. name? And I even noticed that with the president of my company, Ted, right, um, you know, I'll I'll have friends come up and say, hey, man, I got this business idea for Damon. And, and I'll be like, yo, make sure you talk to my man and whatever the case is. And he'll ask them questions and they get insulted. Yo, come on. Damon's my man. Yeah. And you know what he says? Um, he goes, you know, Damon's your, your friend and true. I'm only asking you questions that somebody else is going to ask you. And if they don't ask you, they're already thinking it. Wow. So do you want me to ask you in person or do you want Damon and I have this conversation behind your back? Wow. And then they have to sit back and say, "Damn. You know, we have this thing of when we have to justify ourselves. Yes, I understand that that could be uh if you have to justify yourself instead of in for the wrong reasons. Well, I'm not talking about that. When you have to justify why you are qualified as a man, woman, whatever the case is, right? Man, woman, whatever the case is. But when you have to justify the value that you offer to somebody, those people had a network that they have to be able to 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 be able to consistently put out information. They have very skilled people there. You right now at the moment, nobody knew right. you. Why is your opinion? Was it whether it's your voice or your unique way of delivering it or your homework? Why is there a value? A lot of us don't want to ask the tough question of, why me, why this, and why now?
6: Yeah, and the, the other part now, to that too is the sacrifice. There's a
7: sacrifice element too. And are you ready to rock? Yeah. And that's the next one because you know when you decide me, listen whether nobody nobody knew you or not you're still you were still and you are now but you were still a star you were still somebody who went from team to team somebody who played at the highest level and the nfl was behind you right so i know people who think they're just a star in the hood because you know whatever the reason right because they used to because they were known as the one who wore the freshest sneakers in high school and they refused to work in a grocery store and bag groceries Right. right What made you decide to say, yo, I do this for free? Because, you know, uh, my, my buddy Jay will say ego means edging God out, right? Because you don't want to accept uh, certain things, right? Um, And, you you know, your ego could have been, yo, that's Akbar, man. I heard, even though nobody knows you're doing it for free, some people's ego is so big that they, like, I I know that I know the head of that, uh, t- uh, the local TV station, private like this, everybody. Psh. Yeah, you know, Akbar, Mr. Superstar, he over here working for free, he begged me for a job. And that could have held you back from even this chance that this chance wasn't a guarantee. It was just a chance because yeah. they could have cut your ass just like in football right. the first right. week. What made you put that ego aside in the town that you are already known? You were definitely a superstar in the town you went to. What made you put that ego aside? I wanted it badly,
6: honestly, because I like there was something. You know when you gravitate, you want something like a little kid in a candy store who wants something so bad. Heck, he's even willing to steal it because he wants it badly. And he knows it's wrong, right? I wanted it badly. And so for me, there was no pride really in it or ego in it. It was just I was hyper-focused on it. And some people may say, well, you know, it's easy because you had money. You could work for free. Well, yes, I did play in the NFL, but I didn't make that kind of money that
7: I could sacrifice right. not working for two years, right? I mean, who laughed at you? Who laughed at you down there? Who, who, oh. because you know, you being some who you are, right? It's kind of like, oh, huh, you're returning home. Some people could have right. said that. Some people could have said, what the hell are you doing? You were fortunate enough to get where you were. By the way, your brother is much better than you. So you <laughs> yeah, so, I got you know, that a lot. So you're going <laughs> to. Oh. Oh, I'm gonna tell you to you right now. I don't even know you, brother, but I'm gonna tell you, you suck just to, just just to throw it at you. You suck. So, so what you doing? Like, who laughed at you? How many laughed at you? And even if they did, it's fine, right? Even if it was one. How, how did you you say? I don't I don't care, man. I there's a bigger goal right now. You know, I'm sure there were people
6: laughing at me, but to be honest with you, I don't know who laughed because I wasn't paying attention on, uh, to them. I really didn't pay attention to them because it was just. I was being surgical with it. I was just going from one wow. show after the next, trying to get better. And it's, it's funny because, Damon, I would wait, literally, and sometimes a couple of hours after the show, for them to give me my tape. And at the time, it was tape. Mm. I was like, I need my tape. Because, yep. oh, yeah, we'll get it to you. Mm-hmm. I would sit there and just be messing around, talking to everybody until I got my tape. Because I knew that's what I needed. I need to be able to compile enough tape and then go back and mm. watch myself and Uh, And I saw the progression too. So there was nothing on the peripheral that mattered outside of what I was doing. And I didn't have a lot of distractions. I was a single man. I didn't have anything going on so Mm. I could just focus in on that uh, and develop that. And after two years, you know, I got the next bump. And I remember walking, um, meeting Michael Wilbon who's uh, on pardon the interruption at ESPN. I met him and his wife at an ESPYs event and he told me, after I put in my two years, I'm thinking, all right, I put in my two years for free. And he says, it will take you about five years before you hit your stride in this business. Are you willing to wait that long? And his wife gave him a slap on the shoulder. Like, baby, why would you tell him that? Why would you say that to him and break that kid's heart like that? I still remember we're in the back room and I had just met Mike Tyson. My eyes were like wide open. And then I saw Michael Wilbon. He told me that. And I was like, Dang, I got three more years to go before I hit my stride, and as God is my witness, almost to the mark of five years. Three years later, that's when I got Ninja
5: Warrior.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer.
2: As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free
1: assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com.
9: Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been! Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. Woo!
10: Listen to a brand new season of Math and Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
7: That's when I got Ninja Warrior. Yeah, it, 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 in and and that's where that's where you start to see, and that and that's what happens. You sort out the people that don't have the endurance, and that same in business, right? I think, I think business is about five or six years. It used to be eight, but with the advent of all the the way that things are, yeah, wow. the way that things are moving really fast, it takes about five years to really about six to hit your stride. Mm. You know, you know, you're starting year one, year two. Year three, you hope to be in business. Year four, you're starting to correct the business, and year five and six, you're starting to grow the business, and then you're starting to say, "Okay, we we got this," you know. Um, and and I think that that's critical. And so now, ninja, uh, you know, uh, ninja warrior. Now, I. How did that happen? Was it because uh you were a competitor, broadcast? Was it all combined? Like, how did you get to that level? And, and how many rejections or how many things did you apply for? It didn't have to be a rejection. Maybe they had already casted somebody. How many things did you apply to getting up to that point? And tell me well, about
6: it. That's That is exactly what I believe helped me get into the front door uh, or helped me get that opportunity for Ninja Warrior. But I was doing, I was working at the NFL Network And at that point, I felt like, man, I made it to the NFL network and, you know, I'm catching my stride. And somebody said, you know, spotted me on the NFL network and said, hey, we should get this guy an audition. I go in and audition. But, you know, being in Los Angeles, you go in on a million auditions. I've auditioned for everything. Right. And I got no a million times. Of course, I'm exaggerating a little hyperbolic there, but you get the point. Rejection after rejection. And it's an interesting thing about rejection because after a while you can come you can be a little bitter and you can be a little numb to it right because it's like oh whatever I'm gonna say no so this time when ninja came around i was just like all right i'll go on this audition but i was my mind wasn't like so i wasn't so pent up like i gotta get this job i gotta get this job i just came in there and i just literally came as myself and it was something that i learned in that process because i'm a huge wwe fan and so the inspiration of how I call the Ninja Warrior calls is inspired by my youth of watching WWE and listening to the announcers. It was my favorite part of the WWE experience, outside of Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and those guys. But uh, I right. went in there and did my version of that, like just the way Akbar would. And I was just literally just clowning around, having fun, like, oh my goodness, look at that guy. That guy just swapped around like a popsy, you know, just, just going off and going crazy walked out thanked everybody's hand you know shook everybody's hand. cool thanks guys didn't even think twice about it and I get a phone call two weeks later say hey you're going to be the host um you know uh, a host on American Ninja Warrior and I'm going wait what (laughs) like that's Ah. where so I think I came in there not like with my butt all tight and just you know so like focused to where I couldn't be me Mm -hmm. and uh it was the rejection that allowed me just to go whatever like and so you said, like, yeah, so
7: the real me was able to shine through. And I get that. And I, and I think the people could take away from that don't ever walk into an interview with a tight yeah. butt. I think that that's what you're trying to say. And, but now all of a sudden, you know, you, this thing is going great and you have the audacity to want to go and be, you know, on the talk as a host. Now, there's warrior clearly a lot of things that work with you. You know, you are definitely a very competitive person, whatever the case is, but now all of a sudden you're trying to go on to a a talk show and there's only a couple of African-Americans allowed in Hollywood. Uh, Now we're already busy here. We got Michael Strahan. We have Terry (laughs) Crews. We have Nick Cannon, Terrence J and Damon John. You're definitely not as cute as Damon (laughs) John or as short as Damon John. Why the hell would you want to go? How dare you come into our area simultaneously you should be happy with what you got. Yeah, Uh, I I will tell you, uh, that's that's actually what kind
6: of gets me going. I actually like when people tell me you can't do something. And so there are a lot of people, and even people on my team at the time that didn't believe um, in me doing it. And the more you tell me I can't, the more I push towards, I'll show you. For example, you and I met several years back and you introduced me to your literary agent um, which I'm forever mm-hmm. grateful. But at the time I was with this mega you know, uh, agency that mm-hmm. didn't believe in my book idea. And I went and pitched my book to this mega Hollywood agency. And the, the agent was about 20 minutes late to the meeting, laughed at me, mm-hmm. sat back like, oh yeah, whatever, whatever, okay. And so it was your reference, uh, Kirsten, who sat with me and said, yep we love this idea. We love it. And turned around and the book came to life. And it was a pretty sweet deal for me. And it was like, oh my goodness. Like, but it was that, like just because one person doesn't believe in you doesn't mean that that's it. And no matter how big the name or how big the title, and this was a big Hollywood agency, I was like, so what? And so I pushed through that. And so I wanted to be able to make that, that pivot because to me it was... It was, A, I had a story to tell. B, um, you know, there was a lot that goes into it. It was a new skill set for me. So just like, you know, transitioning into the talk, it was a new skill set, something that I grew up watching, you know, on ABC at 3 p.m., Oprah Winfrey growing up. You know, I was like, I would love to do this. And when that opportunity came around, I went towards it. When everybody says, no, stay in this lane. And so I've had the, the thought and the vision that I didn't want to just be the guy who was a former athlete. You, you mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. Terry Crews. Terry Crews, I think, has done a phenomenal job. Michael Strahan, who I consider a yes. friend and mentor, who, like, mm-hmm. transitioned out of sports and not necessarily just being yes. defined as just a one-dimensional person. And I think that's, that's the society we live in, right? You do have to be, yeah. you have to have, you know, a... a a multitude of things that you're able to do. And so um, that's an area that I felt like I had a lot to offer. I have a lot to say. I wanted to be able to join the conversation, uh, especially as I sat back and watched the conversation become so confrontational these days. It's just like, you Bloods or you Crip? Like, you know, I grew up in a, in, in a yeah. Crip neighborhood and it was just like, you, you're one or the other. What neighborhood do you live in? And I'm like, how come we just can't have a conversation instead of this yeah. all of this confrontation? And so that was my motivation. That was the genesis of... I want to get into the talk show space because I want to be able to add a different element to it, which is conversation
7: over confrontation. Well, well, let me ask you something about how, you know, I love the fact that and you're just like like I believe just, you know, you kiss another frog until they find value until you find the right frog or you go down the line. But the question becomes when you get turned down by the big agency or not even turned down, they just was like, (laughs) you're not When you go to when you go to somebody else, do you go with what you currently got turned down with, or do you go in a room, look at the tape, and say, How do I reassess this delivery or my value proposition for the next frog I'm gonna kiss? Because some people will say, All right, well, I'm just taking this over here. Well, I'm just taking this over here. Well, I'm just taking this over here, and they don't they're so caught up on what they want to accomplish where they're not thinking, how am I adjusting this for the next yeah. person or people I'm going to talk yeah, to? the
6: hardest person to get to know is yourself. And that's because God has given us, all of us, denial. And so we can deny the things that are painful for us to to realize. And I think the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life is A, having both my parents in, you know, in the house, um, but having my father as a person who just kind of instilled discipline in me and then making sure we played sports. And it was making us play sports so we could A, keep us out of the streets, but the discipline that came behind it. And there's something when you play football, there's this word, accountability. And not only just having people keep you accountable, but you have to keep yourself accountable as well. And so when this agency laughed at me, of course, it made me reassess my delivery for the next time. I had a story to tell. I had to be honest with the story that I was getting ready to tell. And it made me reassess and re-deliver. I didn't shift it a lot, but I shifted enough to make it to where, you know, my literary agent goes, I love this story. We can do something with this.
7: Made mistakes, right? You know, we know that 65% of players uh, are bankrupt after leaving the league. Now, that could be for various reasons. That could be three years after leaving the league, that could be because they were not a big player and um, you know they did not make a lot of money as people perceived. Right. They could have been a bench person or most likely they didn't have financial intelligence because our country doesn't give us financial intelligence in school. And like you said, for 20 years, you're being taught and or you are being the best physical and uh, mental and competitive specimen you can. You can't learn everything at the same right. time. Or they have the wrong people around them, and they think that when they get to this level, everybody else is supposed to handle it. Or maybe they're not taking advantage of the programs at the NFL and/or the mentors that are in there. Well, you know, what do you think are a combination of the things that the young men and women in sports uh, uh, don't maybe don't take advantage of, and they should Uh, they should consider more?
6: Absolutely, it's social equity. Right? There's this social equity that every athlete, no matter how big a name you are, right? Because that's kind of how we are judged. There's this system of, you know, you're know are you a bench guy, you're a main guy, how much you get paid, so on and so forth. But you all have social equity. So whenever I talk to young athletes, I tell them, I don't care if you're the 53rd guy on the roster and you're barely making the team. You can call any CEO and I bet you you'll get a meeting. Because like such and such player from the Seattle Seahawks or from the Las Vegas Raiders want to meet with me? this is Mm. interesting. I'll take this meeting. You're not just going to get like, you know, scooted away. They'll take the meeting because you have Mm. social equity. So I tell guys while you're in the league and you have that platform, utilize your social equity, but they don't see the value in it because they see, you know, what kind of name brand clothes they can wear on their chest and their shoes and the Mm. bags that they carry on the plane and all the other, you know, you know, crazy stuff that they put value in. But that's the real value because I'll tell you something, Damon. The minute you leave, I'm gonna call it two weeks after you're done out of the league. Maybe that's too much time, but I'll say two weeks. Nobody cares because they're off to sniff the next jock. Just being I'm keeping it real. They're off to sniff the next jock and Mm. they don't care Mm. about you. And you were literally in that's pretty (laughs) colorful. Because it's it's weird, because that's how I felt. It was just like whoa, like the same access I had when I was playing, I don't have the same access when I'm not playing. Wait a second. Do you mean to tell me I'm not, like you don't really care about me? You care about my status? You care about my, you know, my affiliation? Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, and, and so many players go through this depression when they leave because they get a rude awakening. And I don't care how many M's you got behind your bank account, right? They're still the person that you have to deal with. And when you see people are off to the next big thing and the next new star, and they're not responding to your phone calls the way they did just a month ago, you're like, it's, it's mind blowing. And you start to, you know, try to try to reorganize. And so I say I tell guys it's underutilized. It's undervalued. Like during the off season, I know that there's so much pressure, like you got to get better. You got to get better. I mean, you can take two weeks out of the off season, to create relationships, to plan the vision of where you want to be when your career is over, plant the seed. I'll tell you the story because Troy Palomalo, big time hall of famer. He's Troy Palomalo. Mm -hmm. Troy Palomalo. I was doing, I had a a meeting at this big uh, production company and they make movies, all the big movies in Hollywood and whatever. And I'm there to take a meeting. And this guy who runs this place, he's in, uh, He's an SC alum. And so, anyways, they said, take a seat and he'll come and, you know, they'll c- come and get you. And as I'm backing up to turn and sit down a seat, I turn around. I'm like, oh, I said, Troy, what you doing here, man? He goes, Oh, I'm interning here. And this is in the middle of his career. Like, this is, you know, towards the end of his mm-hmm. career, but in the middle, I'm like, What are you doing here? And you went, and he's just with a cup of coffee, just strolling through the thing, you know, doing his internship there. And I'm like, this is, I mean, this is a guy who's not hurting for cash, who's not hurting for status right. or anything, but he's mm-hmm. out there saying, t- I don't know what he, if he was testing it or if he was moving in that direction, but I thought, this is how it's done. This is exactly mm-hmm. how it's done. But some guys just feel themselves so much like, you know, you get Nike and Adidas and Under Armour and everybody just coming at you. We want to we be attached to you. We want to be attached to you. So you think that everybody owes you something, like everybody should come to you when you have the equity and the power
7: and the influence to go and you have the ability to do the outreach. That is so powerful because of course, me not knowing the business, I mean, so I've always said something very similar to one part of what you're saying, but I mean, you just really brought it home. I always said, and this may not be the same in football, but I always, when I talk to basketball players, I always say, guys, you know, you got, you got rows of people front the first three rows that are really wealthy. They're very connected. They have a lot of access to industries and various other things. And they know you they got this season ticket holders. And I know that that's different from you guys because you're further away. And I was like, why aren't you talking to them saying? And, and even college sports, right. Hey, can you give me advice or how can I be of service? And whatever the case is to get to know them because they don't need you. Um. And to get to know them, but I think that you said something even way more powerful. You don't they don't have to be the front line, you don't have to be right there. You can call somebody on the other side of the country because you have a level of interest in whatever their businesses well, well, are you, or whatever the case is. Let me ask you if
6: the 53rd man um on a team, let's just say, I don't know, Cincinnati Bengals, and you yeah. get a call to, you know, either to you or your assistant and says, Hey, such and such from the Cincinnati Bengals. Want to, wants to meet with you. Um, how yeah. do you respond to that? You're honestly, like on the spot, how would you respond to that?
7: I would say, what does he want? So, um, he wants to learn how to start a business. I would, say, I would say probably send him over to one of my guys um, or let me ask my guys about him. Mm-hmm. But that is way different than somebody who may not be because of somebody who was not from the Cincinnati Bengals uh 53rd player I would say please go to Damon at Damonjohn.com please put in there uh what your intent is and if we have a level of interest or we feel that we can add support or value or give you resources we'll send it to you but it definitely wouldn't have been sent into one of my guys or girls because I can't do that all day um so yeah they would they would get to the point where and if they do have something of value it would get right to me immediately the other people, most likely, because I get a hundred of those calls a day, I would have to put them into a certain area where we can, hopefully, you know, extract exactly where we can be of service. If not, I'll just be talking no, to no, no. all day.
6: No, no, no. You're right, and your time is valuable. And you just said something that I forgot to add to that, which is I tell people to do the homework in figuring out what it is that they want. It's like the homie that says, "Hey, yo," and I get this all the time. Yo, ah, man, hook me up with a job. And I'm going, okay, I know some people. Well, what is it that you want to do? I don't know. I'll do anything. I'm like, well, what's anything? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're you're having me do your homework. And I say, like, you haven't given me homework. But if you tell me, hey, I want to be a producer. I'm really good at producing. I can get you right to that person that you need. But if you're wanting me to do the homework. So yeah, before that person, the 53rd man comes to Damon John, if he knows exactly what he wants and he's done the homework to get himself to the level where he can grab your attention, then I think it's their highly likelihood that you get the CEO or whoever it is, because they go, Oh, this isn't just a player who wants to take my time. This is a person who actually has done the homework to get it to a certain
7: level to get my to, to get the meeting. Man, it is spot on. You're going back to us saying, ask yourself the tough question, what the hell did you add value? Because I get that, you know how I many so I get hooked me up with a job and I go, so you just think jobs are laying around here. <laughs> And if they were laying around here, they're not filled. Right. It's almost like me coming up to you and saying, hey, man, sell me something. Well, what do you want? You want something to eat? You want a vacation? You want something to want? Sell me something. Wow. What? Wow. You know? And and, and 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 so I think that's a very, very powerful, powerful point, what you're making about that. But then I think there's something else that I never realized. You're right. Why the hell would you call unless it is a Michael Jordan, a Muhammad Ali or anybody like that? But once you're right outside the league, why would anybody want to pick up your phone call two weeks after? And 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 do people just feel that no matter what, I'm gonna be so good that everybody's gonna pick up my phone forever because they get high with the with the calls that are happening today.
6: Yep, that's it. It's called intoxicated by their own greatness. So a lot of athletes are intoxicated by their own greatness. And uh, my my high school coach put this in my head and it stuck. He goes, stop reading your ink. Don't read your ink. Uh, he would always say that. And it was like, mm. uh, you're drinking the juice. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. And he would say it in this comical way that just it's stuck. And I was like, because when you drink your own Kool-Aid, you can become intoxicated by your own greatness. And where you think forever people are going to take my call. And then you realize no one's responding. And so you've literally taken the equity from the social equity that you've developed playing in the league, because look, the NFL shield is a big shield and people recognize that shield. You say such and such from the NFL. Now that will only get you so far. The rest of it, you have to do the internal work to do it and have a vision as to where you want to go. And I think, you know, for me, it has been being hyper-focused on the direction that I want to go. And I spend a lot more time, you know, for me, I I go over, I spend the idea before I spend the time or money, right? So I'm always spending the idea and trying to get it to a place where I'm going, okay, I'm ready to move. I'm ready now to put this thing into action rather than just trying to do busy work and not going in.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash business gold card.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer.
2: As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy.
9: Listen to Woke App Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the gangster chronicles.
10: Listen to a brand new season of Math and Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast
7: And you know, people think that people think that what we're talking about is purely NFL based It's not because it's 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 you know two weeks after you leave a certain job, or you leave a community, but also we're not we're past the two weeks before you. Leave the NFL. You know, we're in today. We're in the we're in the era today when you're one tweet away from the crack house. Even if you were in, still in the NFL, and they're going to stop calling you right because we literally can endanger ourselves. So the question that I have there is. How many of the relationships that you had seeded some level of interest, whether it's ESPN, whether you're a Ninja Warrior and you're talking to other producers that sooner or later would pay off later on, uh, you know, with the talk? How many of those relationships did you seed that ended up paying off in one way or another, two, five, ten years down the road because you took the time? And it could even be a fan that was like oh, i'm just a great fan and you're like you know what hey how can i help you and then later on you find out this is the son or mother or father or a wife or husband of or, or that person who grew to be great and said you don't realize that when uh 10 years ago you stopped for a second we had a conversation you didn't know who i was but you know what today here's who i am this is why i want to work with yeah. you how many of those seeds have you planted that ended up becoming really amazing opportunities for uh,
6: a real big one was um, one that um, uh, it was a a deal a marketing deal that I got with Toyota um, and uh, about eight years prior to getting the deal with Toyota um, which was a sizable deal um I did a movie, a what are those uh, small budget film thing, and they asked if I would mm-hmm. do it, and they were looking for people. Did it for free. I just did it. Just oh man,
7: it's great. I absolutely No. Man, you did a lot of you did a lot of shit for free. <laughs> I, I'm Nigerian, <laughs> but you do. You do know this is for free too. Um, just this. this okay. Yeah. There.
6: No. No. But I, I'm I'm assuming that next year you're gonna you're <laughs> dropping me a hundred million. That's that's that's,
7: yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs>
6: yeah. But no. But that, that was one of those things that was just very. I was I was on time. I treated everybody around me, you know, with with love and respect, and not that I wanted anything back because I didn't do it for anything back. I was doing it because somebody was in need, needed to help, and it would turn back eight years later that this guy would be out of the business of making movies and became working for an ad agency. And in this ad agency, they had a conversation. And it was like, hey, we're looking for this type of person. And he goes, I know a Bert, I know a guy. And it was me.
9: Mm. And I'm
6: going, wow. I was like, is that how it works? <laughs> you know, like, but well, that was the first time I had ever seen it come full circle. Sometimes you don't know that that's happening behind the scenes uh, because of the way you treated someone. Um, and yeah. for me, that one, I just so happened to know because my wife actually got a call from his wife and say, hey, congratulations before my team even found out. Um, she's like, congrat oh, she and my wife broke it to me before anybody from my team ever got it to me. And I was like, What? He's like, Yeah, you remember that thing you did a long time ago? I was like, Oh, wow. I was like, that's cool. So so yeah.
7: Lucky and I always say there's no such thing as luck. There's uh, you know, preparation, you know, uh hard work, uh, you know, uh meets an opportunity. Do we create those moments in our lives or do those moments come and we discover them? Because there's a, there's a book out right now when somebody's asked me all the day, they were like, hey, how do you feel about all the amazing things you've done for hip hop and fubu and all that stuff? And I go, ah, I wasn't a great designer. Putting a big ass 05 on a shirt was not, you know, doesn't take a lot of skill. Somebody was going to do what I was doing regardless. And Carl and Cross Colors did it before me. I just caught the dream, you know, um, and whether I did it or not, disruption was going to happen. That moment is something that I was prepared for when it presented itself. But the way that you are really talking right now, you're really you're really saying that you have you kind of like made those uh the right moves to create that opportunity. Which one is it? That, Does it that's, come to you that's hard. You it's see a it, combination. What you create? It's it?
6: a combination. It, it really is. Because there are times where, you know, I feel like only two by the by the by the grace of God that I've been in the opportunity where I've been able to sit in the passenger seat and have a really good driver get me to the destination. And then I've been in the driver's seat as well in trying to navigate and get to a destination. But I think a lot of it has to do with the prep work that you're talking about, because people throw out lucky. I'm I, I sound like I'm rambling, but I'm not. Uh, sometimes people not throw enough. out the term lucky. It helps them justify why they haven't made the move that you've made. So it makes them feel mm-hmm. better about them. So I had this conversation with a relative and it was like, well, it's just that you're lucky. I'm like, I grew up in the same manner that we all grew up in. And see, so, yes, I mean, there were certain things like all that time that I was dribbling a ball and going out there and doing all that work, and then that led to the NFL, and then the NFL led to this. Da, da, da. Like those things didn't happen by accident. Luck is like if I turned a corner and, and found a briefcase of a billion dollars, that's lucky, because I didn't know work. Mm. I just kind of just fell into it but to be able to have that opportunity and then to be able to have it there and to, and then to grow it, um, or excuse me, to be prepared and then to grow that, that opportunity, that's, that's hard work. And so sometimes I think lucky gets, it gets misconstrued. Right. Um, so, uh, so it's a hard question to ask because there's just so many different, I think there's a balance in there. There's a time that sometimes you're sitting you're doing the work and someone's driving you. And that to me, to me, that's, you know, God always has a hand on everything, but you feel the presence of God when you go, boy, like the ninja, I'll tell you right now, that same feeling if I just went out there and just kind of had fun or I didn't know what I was doing. I was just going out there having fun. I wasn't in the driver's seat then. I felt the hand of God right. leading me towards his direction. And even then, Damon, let me tell you, my first year, I cringe I cringe because I sucked at ninja. Oh um, my
7: goodness! And then I remember, you know, and you and you knew it because you're in Hollywood. And honestly, every nobody says no. you suck. They always go great, 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 great. <laughs> right, great. Right.
6: Well, I didn't know it because you know, in the IFB, you get the IFB, the internal feedback that's in our ear where you can hear the truck. Uh huh. And so my first year is a funny story because they hand me the first time doing a major production like this, and they're wardrobe and makeup and everybody's in your face and here's a script and I'm like, what, what, what? And I was, I was flustered as heck. Right. And then they popped me up on the stage and them going, all right, you know, that script that you have to memorize, you got to recite it now. And I'm like, Oh shit, I never worked on any of that stuff. And so they're trying to feed me the line in my ear. That's, that's all jacked up. Right. And so I just remember somebody left their hands on the button and like, just get to the run. (laughs) Like, like I'm, Oh. And I was like, I can hear it. I'm going, oh, shoot, they hate me. Oh, they hate me. And so on ah. the inside, I'm like just going through all these emotions. And I had a little bit of shine, enough shine on the runs and calling the actual live call that they felt like they could stick with me. But then I told them, get a teleprompter. I'll do that. I can read from a teleprompter. Never read from a teleprompter in my life. And I just, I mean, literally just crashed. I felt like a a second grade dummy that couldn't read anything. I couldn't read I couldn't read the word though. I was just stumbling all over the place, right? And in that moment, even though I've done so much preparation, there was a lot of other people who were involved in building up and helping me out in that process. And I was in the passenger seat. So, um, so I think there's two ways you can get to it, but you do have to have, if anything, the luck to have good people around you who care enough about you to invest in you as well. Because there were a lot of people who invested in in me as well
7: you know i i think that also what probably happened during then is all those seeds you had sown of being a very genuine person a person who makes other people feel special they said let's give you more of a shot than others because people don't realize if you piss a lot of those people off i mean they have jobs to do at the end of the day um, And if they don't feel that they can communicate with you and you don't communicate with them effectively, well, then they're just going to move on to another target. And I think that, that, that there's so much to learn from this conversation. You know, uh, in, anybody in any position right now who wants to pivot can take away this, start seeding and start working with the people that you can at the moment, right, to take advantage of those things. Keep hacking yourself uh, by saying, where do I add value and be ready to do the job that others won't? Because the line of everybody getting paid, you know, the 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 rack rate. Uh, well, that line is ten thousand people on it. The people who are ready to put in two years for free. Uh, that line has four people on it, right? Um, and I think that 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 what you're saying is so so really amazing. And for the athletes and whoever it is, you know, remember when the lights go down or one tweet later, nobody's picking up the phone. You got to over deliver when you have that opportunity, and you got to really work it as much yeah. as you can. So. So, so many moments, man, so many great moments to understand the mentality. Uh, you know, I'm never going to bet against you, obviously, because it looks like, you know, you really do the work. You humble yourself and you make everybody else feel special, man. So, so thank you for spending this time with us, man, it. and giving us uh, all this information. Yeah, thank, and I yeah, appreciate Thanks it. for having
6: me. I really appreciate it. This is good. This is good to talk. Uh, but I do have one question for you. I, I couldn't get out and not have Yeah, man, sure. And, and it sounds like a very cliche question, but what has been your ultimate your ultimate secret to success? Because I like to ask the people who I look up to and I see as successful, um, but not only your key to success, but your key to being able to pivot because you went from businessman to businessman and TV personality, which isn't, which isn't easy. What's been your key
7: to success? Um, I think it's, it's all the things that we, you and I cover it. I, I have a healthy paranoia I know that um, I've been very fortunate to be here, and I know that the younger, hungrier version of me is right in the parking lot trying to eat my lunch. I know that things are changing dramatically fast, and it's not for other people to do Damon John's job. I have to do as much homework on it as I can to know that I'm being either given the right information or moving in the right direction and you gotta be a little vulnerable. Um, You gotta be able to tell people, hey, I don't know that, or I need help, or um, how can I be of value to you so that you can be of value to me, or, you know, um, and last but not least, make other people feel special. They wanna, you know, people get intimidated when you have people around them for any reason, right? I could be intimidated uh, when I do public speaking by, the professors, the professors in some of these universities that I speak to have helped change the worlds, right? They've, they've written thesis and various other things. So you know what I do when I walk in there? I know I'm someone intimidating to them, not because I'm so brilliant, because their kids who are with them for eight months out of the year are like, man, Damon John's coming. He's an entrepreneurial, whatever, whatever, whatever. And these professors are probably like, you know what? Yeah. I used to work for, a, I'm an economics professor who worked for the president. These kids, how dare they? This, I'm going to chop this guy Damon up when he comes in here. And you know what, what happened when I walk in that room on that stage? I go, I'm going to tell you what I know about entrepreneurship. And nobody's going to be able to object. The only reason why they can't object is because I'm only going to tell you my story or what I've learned through my story. That's it. However... I want to shout out the professors here who are able to teach this stuff on whatever kind of level. And these guys and women and men can can teach it to me. Thank you, professors, for what you do. All of a sudden, you see those professors, they sit up like this in the chair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A toilet boy, that, that, that guy, he's spot on about everything he's talking about. <laughs> you, you make them feel special, yeah. man. Make them just feel special. Everybody wants yeah. to feel special. And if you don't even know the person, you know how you make them feel special? No matter what they're wearing, they dressed up that yeah. day. To, uh, hopefully, right? Beautiful dress. Wow, you look so elegant. Wow, you look so classy. Wow. Just make them. It takes a second to make that comment. The first time I met President Obama. Uh, He wasn't the president at the moment. Uh, He wasn't the president yet, right? And he said to me, I tell people all the time, he goes, Damon John, the greatest entrepreneur of our time. And I'm like, uh, I I tell people, I'm looking around for Henry Ford. (laughs) I'm looking around for all these great entrepreneurs, right? Carnegie, right? Uh, I said, wow, man, man, I'm I'm leaving about two hours later. I hear him in the corner somewhere. So-and-so-and-so. Greatest entrepreneur of our time. Damn it, he lied to me.
6: <laughs> but you, t- but at least you
7: got something from that, though. He's like, oh. I still feel yeah. special. You still hear me talking about <laughs> right. it, don't you? Maybe he just saw somebody that looked like maybe he me. Maybe he saw Ashley Larry or, or I, don't, I don't know, someone who looked just like uh, me. Maybe he made a okay, mistake. One, one other, I lied to you. See, I lied
6: to you. He lied to you and I'm going to lie to you. Uh, one more question. You said what stuck out to me there was the healthy paranoia. Most people, and just keeping it 100, most people will look at you and like, man, you got too many M's, 100 milli, 200 milli, whatever it is, a billion dollars behind you. How the heck can you have a healthy uh, dose of paranoia, right? Like people think that and think if you've got money, right, then why should you be paranoid? What's the What's the purpose of having that paranoia?
7: Well, because paranoia doesn't necessarily equate to money because the paranoia to me after facing cancer in 2017 is I may not be here anymore on the planet. The paranoia to me is that um, with the money and all the access and the resources I have, well, I see my little girl every day and, and be able to protect her enough and, and, and raise her to instill the values of, uh, you just said, your dad and your mom. Right, because will my will my desire to serve the public or invest in other companies uh, take over the time and the energy when I blink my eye and this little girl doesn't necessarily understand the value or see a mother and father loving each other in a kind way and know how to grow up and be a a a a productive human being for our society or um. You know, any other kind of paranoia that could happen when you look and close your eyes and say, who do I want to be in 10, 20, 30, 40 years? Or how do, how do I want my family or, or the world to recognize or remember me as so um, money is 100 um, percent, you know, a motivator uh, in life in general. Um, because you need it for resources, you need it for various other things. But the healthy paranoia can become, you know, what, what, what? It, I lo- I lost three friends this year to to on uh, on uh, to things like cancer. Um, if, if they had a healthy paranoia, we don't know. But if they were on top of their, you know, you're a very healthy person, they were on top of their game earlier on in life, then they probably would still be here. But they're not here, and the money they had doesn't mean anything yeah. anymore. So uh, paranoia could be anything, whether it's your career. Whether you're living righteously like you believe you should, whether it is your family proud of you, or are you in an abusive relationship, or are you toxic, or are you, you know, it could be anything. And you have to take inventory. Yeah. You have to ask yourself really tough questions. How am I, if, if I sat on the edge of my bed today and I had to say to myself, where am I screwing up that I have to uh, uh, improve? I'm going to find a couple of things because nobody's yeah. perfect. And you constantly keep fixing those things, but you gotta ask yourself those tough questions. Yeah.
6: All right, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man, thanks a lot.
7: All right, man, well, thank you as always, yeah. man, and I love seeing you on TV, man, and uh, you, you, you really represent uh, so many different aspects of people who can pivot or, uh, or just raw talent and talent that is worked on and uh, just somebody who is always about communicating really fun and, and great things and not about conflict, which I love. Right, thanks, thanks so much. Thank you. That Moment with Damon John is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from the Black Effect Podcast Network, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite show. And don't forget to subscribe to and rate the show. And of course, you can all connect with me on any of my social media platforms at TheSharkDamon, spelt like Raymond, but what a D.
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty,
7: and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating.
0: I got a big heart.